0: In Peter 2, 9, uh, we find one of the, the richest and most excellent statements on the church in all of scripture. And it says this, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for my own possession. These are words, Freedom Church, that we should absolutely treasure about our identity and allow to shape us as a church richly. Let me start by explaining why. One of my first memories of Elijah was sitting holding him in a beanbag we used to have in our old house. We were alone and he was uh, brand new, just a day or two old, it tiny in my arms, my beautiful, newly created boy. Uh, and in this moment, I had one of my very first conversations with my son. It was fairly one-sided, to be honest. But in it, I began to speak out and pray some of my deepest hopes and desires for him as he grew in his life. And I prayed things in that moment like... I pray this boy would become a man of fearless adventure, would become a man of wisdom, would become a man of character, would have a deep strength of faith, and would establish his life on the rock of Jesus Christ. And I prayed that God would give me and him a wonderful and lifelong relationship that was just full of joy. these things may not sound much to someone else, but to me, they captured something deeply precious in this moment about my father's heart that I'd never spoken out before. And they're things that I have repeatedly spoken over Elijah as I've prayed for him in the nine years that have passed since this moment. Uh, and what we must understand about the statement that I started with this morning in 1 Peter 2.9 that is that these prayers... phrases capture the equivalent of God's heart for his people that I shared with my son in that moment they tell us something about the deepest hopes he has always had for us and they represent things that he has spoken over his people time and time again in fact, if you look back through scripture, you see these words make up a large part of the very first conversation that God had with his newly formed people after he pulled them out of Egypt. We see this in Exodus nineteen three to 6. Then Moses went up the, to God, it said, and the Lord called him from the mountain and said, This is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did in Egypt and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you are to speak to the Israelites. And like me with Elijah, after this first conversation, God went on speaking these things over people through the ages as his people grew and developed. So we see in Deuteronomy 14 verse 2, For you are a a holy people to the Lord your God. Out of all the peoples on the face of the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his treasured possession. Isaiah 61.6 And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. And the themes that run right the way through to the latter stages of scripture as well. Titus 2, 13 to 14. Jesus Christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify us for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. And Revelation 1, 5 to 6 to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. So as Peter writes these words to the newly found informed church, He is asking them to understand that they now are an extension, the extension and the fulfilment of what God had hoped for in those very early verses to his people. They're now the the focal point, that the church is now the focal point of God's deepest desires and hopes to have a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for my own possession. 1 Peter 2 verse 9, amongst all the people and nations of the world. So church, we must treasure this small phrase, understanding that it has and always will represent one of God's most precious and long-lasting desires for us, his people. So it's precious to him. But what does it mean that we are to be a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession? Well, let's start with this. Let's start with the meaning in its simplest form, and then we'll expand on that a bit as we go through this morning. So very simply, all of these phrases here, in one sense, mean the same thing, that God wants us to be a people who are set apart, set apart from the crowd. He wants us to be a people who are noticeably different from the masses of other people in the world. To be chosen or to be elected means they are a picked out bunch to stand apart. Like picking players to be chosen on a team or electing someone out of a bunch of candidates to stand apart and play a role. The priesthood in the Old Testament, we'll look at this a bit more as we go on, was a set-apart role in the people of God. Where God chose Aaron, Moses' brother and his descendants, to carry out this set-apart role. It was about being lifted out of the masses and set to one side. To be holy means in part to be, literally, sacredly set-apart. Set to one side for God. God's purpose, a purpose that God has for you. And to become a possession of someone is to be the thing chosen from the many other things that the the shop sells. Sorry, excuse my words. Many other things on the shop sell, shelves. I can't say it, can I? Shop, set, shelves, shop, shelves, shop, shelves, shelf shops. To be in the shop, to be the thing that's picked off the shelf from all the other things, put in the basket and taken home, you're set apart from those other things. All of these four statements point to the fact that um, he wants his people to stand out from the crowd around them, stand apart, stand separate in some way, to be noticeably distinct and different, to stand for something different than the world around them. Do you know, it's a simple idea, isn't it, to stand apart. But if we stop a second to think about standing out, standing out is never easy. Do you know, I remember a time when I was on my way to a fancy dress party in university and I was dressed up as a, a gangster. I had a trilby on, I had a fake mustache, Tommy gun in hand, and it was absolutely fine when I got there and everybody else was, dressed up in silly ways because I didn't stand out but on the bus on the way there I felt like an absolute wally just this tension was around me as people looked at me being like why is he dressed like a fool you know standing out has tensions in it but God is clear with his people in all of these statements I want you to live in this tension having being set apart, to be different in some ways, to stand out. I want you to be a bit like oil and water, where you put them together and they can be in the same glass and same space, but they don't, they don't mix, they stay separate. That's the simple idea in this short passage in Peter two, 1 Peter 2 9, verse 9 that we're looking at today. Do you know, in the world, often set apart from the crowd uh, means that we've put somebody up on a pedestal, that something uh, of their outstanding nature in and of themselves distinguishes themselves to kind of look down on the crowd. So we think about Stephen Hawkins who's set apart by his amazing intellect. Or we think about somebody like Jessica Ennis-Hill who's set apart from the crowd based on her athletic ability. But as we go a bit deeper, as we look beyond the simple into what some of the phrases in this um, one line of scripture means, we see that this is not how God intends his people to be at all set apart. God intends us to be uh, unmixed, but in a very different way from being elevated. It's much more akin to servanthood. And I wanna look at two phrases particularly that I think start to draw this out and give us some of the how that God wants us to be set apart? How does God want us to be set apart in this? And I particularly want to look today, although there's more in this scripture than I can draw out this morning, but I want us to look at the words holy and priesthood in this scripture in 2 Peter 2 verse nine. So we start with the word holy. Firstly, if we look at the word "holy" as well as meaning "set apart," holy in the Bible carries with it the idea of being a people who are set apart by the pursuit or nature of moral purity, by living lives that are above and beyond reproach, lives where if you you cut into me, you would find me as. Good, uh, good on the inside as I profess to be on the outside. There would be integrity right the way through me. Early in this letter to the churches in 1 Peter, Peter talks about this kind of holiness in the church. 1 Peter 1.14-16 1, As obedient children, do not conform to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who has called you out is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. I don't think we like to talk about this aspect of the church that much in the modern age. God's desire for us to be set apart by our pursuit of truly moral, holy lives that reflect his holiness And I think there are probably a couple of reasons that we just need to watch out for in our own hearts about why we might not pay attention to this part of our calling as a church. First, I think we fear sometimes being moralistic and coming across to others as superior or judgmental. It's a good fear to have in some ways because humility and servanthood is what God wants, not judgment. But I think sometimes this fear can lead us to take our eye off this important desire for God that God has for us to reflect his holiness in our very behaviour. Secondly, I think we rightly major in the western church on the righteousness that Jesus gives us at the cross. We look at amazing verses like 2 Corinthians 5 for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. A completely true statement that we stand here purified in the goodness and grace of God. But sometimes I think this emphasis can come at the cost of an understanding that with our new totally right standing place with God, God asks us to pursue with all our might and new na- nature the standards of the one who has washed us clean and not slip back into old ways, old lives, not remix in with the, the water around us to remain that oil, pure oil. Uh, and finally, I think in our world there is a tendency to believe in moral relativism over god's word being the moral plumb line we can trust the preaching of the day at the moment which says things like you know just be true to yourself or our own beliefs on right and wrong are the standard of right and wrong that we should pay attention to, not obedience to God's word. So we see these things and being in line with these things is more important than being in line with God's life and God's word in our lives. We become the final judges on our own morality Not letting God judge our levels of morality and draw us up and into his heart and standard as we go. We say things like, if it feels okay by us, it must be okay by him. And this is a standard of the day, not the standard that the Bible invites us into. So it can stop us looking on and pursuing with all our might, this call to pursue God's holiness in our own lives. But, church, the the Bible does have so much to say on this matter that we are meant to stand out as different in morality by pursuing this holy standard. You are meant to have awkward moments in your life when you say no to something that everybody else is saying yes to. Where you go, no, I I don't want to watch that. No, I don't want to read that. No, I I don't want to go to that place. I don't want to do that thing. No, I don't want to engage in that type of humour. I don't want to do that. Why? Because, do you know what? I live to a different standard. I want to stand out, stand apart from you in this. Awkward, yes, but things that the world sees as fine, the Bible invites us to not see as fine as we live this out. You know, we're meant to also have many moments of confessing sins, knowing God's grace to each other as we fall short from this, seeking God's forgiveness together and spurring one another on in in terms of these righteous living before him. I think Colossians 3, 1 to 10 is a a great example of this heart. I'm just going to read it to you now to let it wash over you in a new way in light of what we've been talking about. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouths. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. The theologian and commentator Bruce Milne says that such is the importance of this theme to God, that a church which is a stranger to holiness is a stranger to Christ. One of God's deepest desires since the moment he first held his newborn people from amongst all the peoples of the earth as they would be set apart by act and deed that reflect his absolute moral purity goodness, and holiness in all their dealings with each other and the world around them, that they would remain unmixed with those aspects of culture that do not reflect his morality and goodness. Alongside this, that's the fuller idea of holiness, But alongside this, in this short passage of scripture, is the idea of being set apart for priesthood as well. And it's helpful for us to think a bit more about this in understanding how we're to be set apart as well. The priesthood referred to by Peter here in applying God's Old Testament desire to the church now, he's actually drawing on the the covenant, first covenant, the old covenant idea of what the priest was. In the Old Testament, the priest, as I've already mentioned, was a set-apart chosen group. Those who followed on in the line of Aaron, Moses' brother, and they were set apart for the specific task of serving at the altar and in the temple or the tabernacle of God in the Old Covenant. And in terms of their role, Old Covenant, covenant priests Uh, They had many different specific actions to fulfil which are actually quite alien to us now and sometimes quite difficult to interpret and that probably beyond the scope of this morning, they involved sacrifice at the altar uh, and having to access specific areas of the tent and the temple on behalf of God's people. But essentially, in all of these acts, what they were doing on behalf of God for his people and his people for God was they were bridging a gap between God and man. The temple and the altars were literally the places in the Old Testament where heaven and earth communicated, came into conversation Heaven met with earth and the chasm, the broken chasm between God and his people was bridged in these places, in these locations. You see, it was in the temple where God's holy presence, his manifest presence, his weighty glory could be encountered on earth because of the purity and how it was kept. Here, it was here that people like Moses bridged the gap by coming into his presence and receiving the counsel, the very counsel face to face, spoke face to face, it says, of God. And it was here where at at the altar, God's grace, his forgiveness, his mercy, his favor and his kindness were received in exchange for sacrifices for his people. It's here where he doled out the goodness of his forgiveness and grace upon his people and priests special set apart job was to work exclusively in this kind of linked space giving worship to God in this space and meeting with the holy God in prayer and worship and ministering in return God's grace and his forgiveness and favor back on his people they were quite literally servants the priests were of both man and God. They worked, unlike those very special people who sat up on high, were set apart for because of their excellence. They were set apart for this service, this task. Their job was to focus on mending the broken space between this relationship that had been caused by sin in the garden. A couple of pointers about this role that are really important for us to get hold of here as well, was that in taking on this role, priests in the Old Testament were were asked to set aside worldly things and ambitions, particularly around accumulating money and wealth. They had to forsake an inheritance of the land in this world to do this job. And instead they, they were given a promise of an inheritance that was within a, a portion of what God was offering where God would share his blessings with them in return also in this role old testament priests they they administered grace and stood in the gap un, in the gap under the direction of a high priest do you know, this was one who stood over them, who did special national acts of mediation like sacrifices of the Day of Atonement and was the only one allowed once a year on this day to enter the most central part of the tabernacle or the, the tent or the temple. The location called the Holiest of Holies, where the weight of God's glory and holy presence could be known most fully. And here in what they did, here in this role, Peter gives us another picture of how God wants us, his church, to be set apart from the world. Not only standing apart in purity, but standing apart in goals and purposes as well, and who we serve. He wants us to be those who forsake the accumulation of things in our world. Growing our own empire, if you like, to be those who have a 100% heart, First and foremost, to stand in the gap and spend our lives on this standing in the gap between God and man, meeting with God and ministering God's grace to those around us in the world. He wants us to be part of a different order that serves different things to the world around us. Do you know, priesthood is another great picture here of how we are to be set apart. But in 2 Peter 19 there are also a couple of differences to the Old Testament priesthood that we need to make note of today to get this right. Firstly Peter here is talking to the universal church. He's not communicating to a special part of church to do this. He's not just talking to church workers or church leaders but the whole community and unlike the Old Testament, he's not talking about some of the community who are set apart for the well being of the rest of the community, but a whole community that is set apart to stand in the gap for the world that does not know him. To know God's presence on the world's behalf, and to minister God's grace to them as well as one another. The community are now the people who stand in the gap between those who do not know God in the world and God himself. Secondly here, Peter adds a really special word in to his discussion of priests here, which is the word royal as well, of course of royal priests. And here in doing this, he gives us an, initial, an additional emphasis on what authority we have and where we stand to minister into this gap from. Here, Peter is saying in the new covenant, we are priests with the backing and the resources of a royal family to do this great work. So if you imagine when an American ambassador enters the room. He's not just a man that stands before you. He's a man that has the backing and is representing the 3,000 nuclear weapons and the strongest economy in the world. He has that kind of backing behind him as he comes to make decisions in discussions and interactions. And this word here, the word royal, indicates that we're to understand that we are not set apart to be weak priests a weak priestly order but a priestly order with the backing of the king of kings whose nuclear arsenal dwarfs that of any state on earth whose resources and power are far greater more magnificent and they are behind us as we step out as priests in the world Peter wants us to know this and get this here Finally, although Peter does not mention it explicitly, in this new covenant, it is really important to note that we are priests of a a different order in that we don't serve a human high priest like they did in the Old Testament, who can only atone for sin once a year and enter God's deepest sanctuary to know his will once a year. But we serve a great high priest who is given a once and for all sacrifice and is, has now stands in the place, now stands in the place of constant access to God's deepest sanctuary and power. This is a really key thing that the book of Hebrews is trying to get us to understand as God's people in the new covenant he has established. Hebrews 10:11 to 12 says this: "Every priest stands." daily at his service offering repeatedly the same sacrifice which can never take away sins talking about the old testament priesthood but when christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins he sat down at the right hand of god church as well as standing apart in purity it is one of god's deepest and most enduring desires that we are set apart by an understanding that we are now part of a priestly order, this new priestly order that Jesus has set up, with the purpose of ministering the grace of God that has been founded in Jesus Christ, that once and for all grace and forgiveness, that majesty of the new access to his power and spirit As a people, he wants us to forsake the things of this world, to stand in that gap and to pursue these new things that he has won us in this set-apart position. So, there we have it. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. It in, in its simplest form, this uh, short verse of Scripture says and shows to us God the Father's heart for his people, that we would be set apart from the world. But as we look a bit deeper into it, it's not so that we can have pride in this position, but so we can model holy standards of life and goodness to a world that does not know God's holiness. And we can serve under priests, as priests under Jesus to the world, entering God's presence and ministering his magnificent grace with the full backing of a royal household. Church, I want to leave you with three how are you doing questions about this today, just very simply maybe to discuss over the dinner table or just call a friend just to, just to answer with them as well. Just three how you doing questions. One, how unmixed is your life really from the world? Or are you, are you blended in? Are you holding on to some of that old life that he says get rid of here? How are you doing on actually really pursuing and hungering after that kind of moral purity and holiness that God is calling you onto. And how are you doing with standing in the gap and living as a priest for God, as a Royal priest for God? Freedom Church, God has made you and equipped you as his gathered people to stand in the world, yet apart from it, like oil and water so that you can minister and serve as high priests. God bless you today.